There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. We have a horrendous shortage of GPs. COVID or no COVID. Crisis or no crisis. We have a horrendous shortage of general practitioners. I want to go to Glenmire to start us off and speak with Dr. Dermot Quinlan, who has a practice down there. Dermot, good morning. We have a huge shortage, do we not? We absolutely have a massive shortage of GPs right across Ireland. Um, we have 30% fewer GPs than we would have than the UK, and they have 10% less than they think they should. So we have 40% fewer GPs in Ireland than they than they feel they should have in the UK. Many of our GPs are over 65 years of age. We have a major shortage of our GP nurses uh, and phlebotomists. So this is it's a problem right across the country. It's particularly problematic in rural areas, but also, as you know, it was in the echo last week that we have lost 10 GPs from the north side of Cork City in the last four years. Um, so, you know, we have a major uh, problem with our GP workforce in that we simply don't have enough GPs. Um, the, the, the question is, dear, but why? Uh, I suppose there's, there's several reasons for that. Uh, firstly, is uh, and, and like some of these have to do with the numbers of GPs. So the HSE have been brilliant in increasing the number of GP training places. So back in 2015, we were training 150 GPs a year. That's currently 234. And with, we'll expand to 350 by 2025. So the HSE are really supportive in massively increasing the number of GP trainees. Um, we have a really good GP training program in Ireland. In the UK, it's a three-year training program. In Ireland, we have a four-year GP training program, which means our GPs are especially highly trained by international standards. Um, but that does mean that there is a delay in, in them when you expand the number of training places, that it mm. does take an extra year before these uh, young doctors join the workforce. So, in other words, when you come out of college after doing your your six or seven years and then you go into the hospital and you do your internship and you are an NCHD, a junior doctor, a baby doctor, call it what you will, there's more study then before you can become the GP down the surgery. So you can be an awful long time in college. Does that put people off? Um, 
we have a huge, like general practice is very popular, thankfully, with young doctors. We have a lot of people applying for general practice uh, because it's a it's a fantastic career. Um, but it does take like it does take four years when people enter a GP training scheme. And the benefit for that for our patients is that we have really highly trained, highly skilled GPs. Mm. Um, the downside is it does take when somebody joins a GP training scheme. So when we have 350 trainees joining the scheme, entering a training scheme in 2025, it'll be 2029 before they actually are part of our workforce. Mm. And is it full time so, training, Dermot? It's not like in the hospital where you work your way up through the ranks, you're earning at the same time. Oh yeah, it is. It is that. It, it's very similar. Our GP trainees spend two years in hospital, uh, doing job, doing work like pediatrics, uh, medicine, uh, antenatal and obstetric care, gynecology, um, psychiatry, working in the ED department. So we we are like we work very closely in our training with our hospital colleagues, and then there's two years specifically in general practice where they spend one year in each of two different practices so one year in, the, in one mm. practice and then second year in another practice and so it is a four-year very comprehensive training program yeah. a gp friend of mine once remarked to me he said that we are in effect he said little mini consultants we're consultants in family medicine and people forget that would you would that a fair assessment I, I think it's a very fair assessment. And like, if we look at the workload of general practice at the moment, um, like, so we have all our normal work. So we look after people with diabetes, with heart disease, high blood pressure, asthma, acne, and all those chronic illnesses that people have. In addition to that, then we have a huge role in the childhood vaccination programs, the smear campaigns, contraception, antenatal care, all of that. And then in addition, then we have, we deal with people when they're acutely ill. And then the the big issue which really has accelerated the workforce crisis in general practice is COVID. So we, we are playing a massive role in supporting the, the really good HSE response to the, the COVID program, which, you know, is, is going on. So we, we deal with people with acute COVID. We are managing people with long COVID. And general practice is, is playing a very substantial role in supporting the HSE mm. in rolling out the COVID vaccine booster program. And I suppose I would like to give a big shout out to the entire team over in the City Hall today doing the... Uh, COVID boosters, they are playing a phenomenal role mm-hmm. and uh, supporting the older people of Cork um, getting their COVID vaccines and just just to give a shout out to all, all of that team. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of retired GPs who have come back into the workforce who are supporting the COVID uh, booster campaigns. Um, we have a lot of GPs who have increased their work commitments. They're working more, more days. I was talking to a GP earlier this morning who previously had a Wednesday off, but the pressures and the workload is such that this particular doctor mm. has come back working Wednesdays. Um, so there is a very substantial workload. Yeah. If we think that compared to uh, this time last year, when the respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, among children, was almost there was almost none of it. We have 10 times more RSV at the moment, and we are seeing a lot of sick children at the moment, where a year ago we were seeing very few. Yeah. And... You know, it's very important that, that parents, if they're worried about their children, they get in touch with their GP. Uh, but increasingly, it's it's very difficult to offer yeah. same-day appointments for less urgent cases. Yeah, there's and the thing. I, I was going to come to that, David, because what I constantly get is messages in here from people telling me that I can't get to see a doctor for two, three, four days, or I can get a telephone consultation later today. You know, some of that has been put down to COVID, obviously, but... Much of it, what I'm hearing from you is the reason we'll get to you in three or four days or call you on the phone is we literally don't have the hours. We don't have the doctors. 
And that that is that is very much the case that you know. And in in terms of do we see people face to face? So we we are absolutely open for seeing people who are sick. I mean, we are we are looking after people who are sick, but. Our practice in Lanmire, we've closed our waiting room again for routine consultations uh, several weeks ago as the COVID numbers increased. So patients have said, oh, your waiting room is very quiet. It's very quiet because people are waiting in their cars and we call them in directly from their cars. But we are busier than we've ever been. As, as I said, one, I was talking to another doctor earlier this morning and she uh, historically had a Wednesday as her day off. And she uh, is back working Wednesdays. I know lots of GPs who haven't had any annual leave since the since March of 2020 and uh, who can't take time off for uh, significant family events. So there is a huge workload uh, for general practice, our normal workload, on top of which we have the COVID-related work. And our workforce is about 30% less, as I said, yeah. than the equivalent in, in the UK. You're at so least 30% under strength at all times, uh, COVID Absolutely. or no COVID. And you know the way that you said that the young GPs that will go in to train, it takes them three to four years to be ready to train. Do they then stay here, Dermot, or is there a pattern of them, pattern of them going elsewhere when they've been trained? I suppose all our medical and nursing workforce are a mobile. We're globally mobile. Like I worked in the UK, I worked in Australia, and many many young doctors travel overseas and get great experience. And the majority come back, uh, you know, enriched with the experience they've had. So um, it's a good thing that that our doctors and nurses choose yeah. to work overseas. But I think in the last two years, it's just been very, you know, with the COVID, and it's it been very difficult for people yeah. to to move in. Anecdotally, what you hear, Dermot, is a lot of particularly, like you said, nurses, doctors. It's almost a rite of passage, and pretty much any experienced medic of any kind that I've ever spoken to. Yeah, I did a couple of years here, and I did a few years there, and it was Australia, America. Canada. They all go, but traditionally they all come back. Anecdotally, at least, they're not coming back anymore. Yeah, I suppose in my experience, they are, you know, they, they, they go and, and certainly when we, at the start of the pandemic, when we put out a call, uh, lots of medics and nurses uh, answered Ireland's call and, and returned to Ireland. Um, so I think, you know. Didn't use a lot of them, though. We didn't use We hardly used any of them, actually. Yeah, I, I'm not sure of the detail of that. Um, but just coming back to the problem that patients face, PJ, in terms of accessing their GP, you know, I would say if like there is a lot of respiratory illness, if if people have a sick child or are worried about their child, I would encourage them to persevere uh, and and keep bringing. And in general, we will try and fit people in. Yeah. Do we see them face to face or do we see them in person? Uh, and that very much depends. So some of my patients opted for a, a, a phone or video consultation, yeah. and others it is better if you know if they have a sick child that they be seen and um, you know to assess them. Uh, it, it is possible to do a very thorough assessment over by, by video or phone, um, and that does take as much time as seeing somebody face to face. But in many respects, patients choose to they, they can sometimes choose a face to face or choose that a phone consultation is, is sufficient for their needs. Um, but as I say, it is it is busy at the moment, and I would encourage people when they're ringing GP practices to appreciate that our admin teams are doing their absolute best. They're working yeah. really hard, and please be patient. You're, you're, you're snowed under. So, Dr. Quinlan, what do we do to solve this? How do we make this right, or can we? 
I suppose, first and foremost, the HSE have put in place a really good program to more than double the number of GPs in training. So that, that is underway. As I said, 150 GP training places in 2015, 236 this year, 350 by 2025. And the HSE have committed the resources for that to happen. So that's the single most important thing. And I would say the HSE should be commended for that. We also need to look at how can we retain our older GPs in the workforce temporarily. And as I've said, some of them are coming back into into the workforce. Their existing GPs are working additional days. Um, they are older GPs. Many of them are working in, in our mass vaccination clinics. We need to look at making, for younger GPs, we need to look at making it more family friendly. We have a lot of young female GPs and we need to make sure that general practice is increasingly family friendly for, for our younger GPs. Then we also need, like we have a, a, a brilliant cohort of GP nurses in Ireland um, and they work incredibly hard with the cervical smear campaign, childhood vaccines uh, and dressings and looking after patients with chronic disease. They work really hard uh, and we simply need more of them. Okay. Um, in if our practice, we have just over one whole time equivalent. If we were in the UK, we would have a multiple of that. Yeah, and then we need more phlebotomists, so, so and and uh, admin and management. So these these supports can help GPs to focus more on providing acute okay. care to patients when they need. It. So we need to expand the GP team, and the HSE are very much on board with that. Okay, you know? okay. I suppose time time really is the only thing that will sort it. If the program is there, it takes time to complete it. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Doctor Dermot Quinlan. Quartz 96 FM. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365 day returns. We read in the Echo earlier this week that there are nearly 75,000 adults and children waiting now for outpatient appointments at hospitals in Cork. That is a colossal number of people. 8,036 children, including nearly 5,500 at CUH, nearly 2,000 at the South Infirmary, and some 1,600-odd children waiting longer than 18 months to be seen. This is a, a crisis situation. Martin Varley is Secretary-General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. Martin, is it that they're just like there's not enough GPs? There's not enough for you guys either. Good morning. Good morning, TJ. Yeah, un- unfortunately, what we're seeing is there there is a, a very significant capacity deficit in our public health system, and we're very familiar with it in terms of our public hospitals, and the association and its consultant members have been highlighting this for years. And in fact, these deficits go back uh, over a decade, and not enough was being done over the last 10 more years to address the deficits and now COVID has effectively unmasked the seriousness of these deficits. The deficits have always been there. The waiting lists have been growing for the last 10 more years. And in fact, even looking at, at the situation in Cork and all the Cork hospitals in the southwest, um, over the last six years, compared with 2015, uh, the increase in waiting lists for outpatient appointments has gone up by 14,000 in CUH. That's a 65% increase. By 2,000 in the Mercy, which is a 40% increase, and similar increases elsewhere across the whole Southwest. And uh, inpatient day case waiting lists are uh, quite high, and uh, there's over 20% of those waiting for inpatient care in mm. Cork hospitals waiting over a year. So they're all serious indicators of deficits, people left waiting, which is not good for them. And then, of course, we have the trolley crisis problems, which yeah. continues even during the COVID crisis. So mm. all the indicators are there. The real difficulty is we're not putting the capacity in place in terms of extra beds, extra theatre facilities, and we're not filling uh, enough consultant posts, yeah. uh, huge number of consultant posts are vacant. Are Here's vacant. a question that arises on that con- those consultant posts. Well, well, well two, but but the, the first one in particular uh, is a practice that I understand, Martin, still continues. And maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it does. So if I'm a consultant and I, for whatever reason, announce I'm leaving my post. So I give, what, three, maybe six months notice, and I say I'm leaving my post. Let's say, for example, I'm leaving my post, and I leave on the 31st of March. Why is it my post won't be advertised until April? That causes an unnecessary blank in the system. It it does, and it's not. It's it's absolutely unnecessary. I think it should should advertise the post. It still continues. Strictly speaking, and it's not a position the association or any consultant would take, strictly speaking, you can continue in your post up to obviously your retirement date. Now that's been complicated a little bit because in the past the retirement date was from 60 on or 65. Now it can be up to 70. So an individual could change their mind, I suppose. That's the other possibility. I don't think too many do. 
uh, I don't think it prevents you from advertising the post and interviewing it and put people on panel. So there's a solution, yeah. as you would do in the real world. Why are there? Apart from that reason, yeah. I mean, if I if I gave in my notice that I was leaving here this job on the say the thirty first of May, there is no way they'd start looking for a new replacement in June. They'd begin looking in January, February, even Absolutely. to have someone lined up. Just on the other reason, so many empty consultant posts. How much of that is down to pay? And I preface that by saying we all know you're you're not badly paid. Well, how much of it is down to pay? I think a lot of it is down to the a discrimination that was brought in in 2012 by the Ding government, which decided that newly appointed consultants would be paid 30% less than their colleagues. Now, discrimination of any magnitude it doesn't help you if you're trying to employ people. Mm. And certainly at the order of 30%. But isn't that a starting rate that goes up? No, the discrimination I'm talking about at 30% is at the max of a scale. So ah. it's discrimination from the first point throughout and throughout the rest of your career. So that's not something that sits well in any uh, professional or employee group. On top of that, you have to allow for the fact there is a worldwide shortage of consultants and specialists. Mm. And a lot of our highly trained uh, specialists and those in training immigrate to ensure they've got the best possible world-class experience. And they find they're working in certain services overseas that, number one, do not discriminate against them. They treat them the exact same as our colleagues. Yeah, it's always been a kind of a rite of passage for every doctor, I suppose, that they spend some time overseas. But I think the trend now is a lot of them do not come back. Well, that's the problem. And I think there's two main reasons for it. One is that discriminatory element has been in place since 2012. That's nine years, almost 10 years next year. And everybody has been asking the government to reverse it. Several ministers have given unambiguous commitments that would reverse it, but they haven't done it. So people take people on their word. And trust is hugely important. If you're making a career change, they will decide, where will I work for the next 20, 30 years? And you're working in Australia or North America or elsewhere. And you're not being discriminated against and you're being facilitated, and this is the other important point, to treat your patients on time. You don't have these, these capacity deficits we're always talking about. You don't have these long waiting lists. Uh, the choice is fairly easy, despite the fact you want to come back and work in your own country and help out uh, with the public health service. The choice becomes, unfortunately, uh, stay where you are. And mm. we've talked to a lot of our highly trained specialists and they tell us that they'd like to come back. Uh, but there's too many things driving them away. So that's mm. politics for you. Poli- the government of the day has responsibilities in this regard. They're not addressing the discrimination they introduced themselves in September yeah. 2012. Martin, that's we've all known, I think, for, for a long time that there are many holes in our health service. Would it be a fair assessment to say that COVID in particular has it, even though the response of staff on the front line was remarkable and continues to be remarkable, but the holes in the system have been exposed like never before by COVID. They, they have, and, and of course, it's, it's, it's even more horrendous because uh, now we hear the difficulties with the ICU bed deficits and the difficult choices that doctors might have to make if, we don't have enough ICU beds. And we had that discussion back in March, April, May of 
2020 over a year ago. And that's horrendous. And people don't like to be in that position. Uh, anybody working in the public health service just does not want to have to make those difficult choices. But we've we've been making difficult choices with patients, hundreds of patients on trolleys, month in, month out for the last decade. So it has unmastered, it has highlighted it. Uh, but you know what? We, we shouldn't have had to wait for that to happen because having elderly patients on trolleys who should be in a bed and getting proper treatment isn't acceptable in a developed economy either. Yeah, and with or without a pandemic, it was never acceptable for that to happen. I think it was always happening, Martin, but we see it now in in writ writ large, as they say, writ large, the failure of the public health service in this country. Thank you for your time. Martin Varley, Secretary General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association, speaking on the opinion line. It is a mess. That statistic... We can't repeat it often enough. They should make T-shirts and put it out there. We should have, by OECD standards, should have 500 ICU beds fully staffed in this country. We struggle for three. That should be writ large as a failure of every government for the last 30 years. Courts 96 FM Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.